Let's take our Bibles together and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, where we'll consider the whole chapter. We won't go verse by verse through all of it this morning. But just coming again before the truths of those contexts, the construct that Moses is presenting before us, after having given the law, recognizing where God's people are, we are about to head into the promised land. Now God says, this is the way that you will live. And not only you, but your children, and I pray your children's children's children. And so that understanding of Christian education in our church then is not just one that is biblical, it is also covenantal. And so in recognizing what that is and what that means, we continue then to give ourselves to every truth of God's word. And so we're to do that as we see our sermon title this morning, With Diligence. And so let's hear that testimony together. Deuteronomy chapter 6, hear now the word of the living God. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey." Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God, you shall fear him, you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear." You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, by thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in the time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out from Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and against all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God, it stands forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, as you bring us again before familiar words, we ask that you would speak. 
that you would speak but through the broken vessel that you have called to serve these people. That, Father, you would open our ears to receive it, that you would ready our hearts to embrace it, that you would ready our hands and feet to act upon it. That, Father, we would be convicted by your word and challenged by it, but also encouraged then to find all the grace and goodness to do that very thing in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Dear congregation, beloved of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, every year we come, year by year, to this kind of sermon, to a Christian education sermon directly referencing our call unto it. And we know our need then throughout many years to be educated, to learn great truths of the faith, to have his word written on our hearts, to know God, to keep his commandments. And so there is a danger even this morning of falling into a bit of that autopilot. This is what we do. And we know the grind that is coming before us, the great joy that is found in it, in coming to know the Lord. But we need to do that very thing with diligence. And I think that shapes then some of that fatigue away from some of that maybe apathy about it. And brings us back not only to our need to serve the Lord in diligence in all of our work, but, but even in the task of Christian education. And so kids, that wonder of that word diligence, and we can do a little vocabulary work this morning, is to work at something with care because you value it. You're diligent. In speaking of matters of faith, it is to be thorough and complete and persistent. To be given wholly and only to loving God and in a desire then to teach other people the same thing. We're called to be diligent. And in fact, what I want to challenge you with this morning is that love unlocks diligence. Because if you think about it in your own life, the things that you love, you give yourself diligently to. If you grow in love for them, you become more diligent. The same should be held then in terms of our love for God and our love for his word. But more than that, the Lord deserves that. The Lord from us demands nothing less than that. To be diligent in every matter of faithfulness, knowing the blessings of that diligence, but also here in Deuteronomy 6, understanding the consequences for a lack of it. The consequences of forgetfulness. The consequences of unfaithfulness. I will destroy you off the land. And so while we look at this from this point of the other side of the cross and recognizing that the righteousness that Christ has lived for us, nonetheless, we still come to this same understanding that if you're going to continue to say, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, I love his people, I love his church, but I have no desire to study about him, I have no desire to give myself to his word, I don't need to grow in grace, there's a problem. And that might be the understatement of this sermon. And so Moses in this text is issuing God's call to his people to be diligent in obeying, diligent in following, diligent in teaching, in a desire then that his people's hearts would be his. I want all of you, not just some, I'm I'm jealous for you. He says that in Deuteronomy 5, he says it again in Deuteronomy 6. 
I want every part of who you are, but not just you, because the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. I want them too. I want that next generation, many generations, to be called to my promises and truth with intentional diligence. Because even here we see Deuteronomy 6, I'm breaking the call of Deuteronomy 5.31. If your Bibles are open, you can see that verse there, Deuteronomy 5.31. But you stand here by me, and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them, that they may do them in the land that I am giving them. That language of gift has to ring out for us. What we've received, we haven't done anything to earn. What we've been given to possess isn't ours. The children we've been entrusted with are simply that, entrusted to us for a time. They're not ours, they're his. So are we mindful of what we've received from the Lord, but also of his call then to continue teaching with diligence? And so we want to study Deuteronomy 6 in this way. In the receipt of great promises and deliverance, God's people are called to diligence in applying and understanding God's word. In the receipt of great promises and deliverance, God's people are called to diligence in understanding and in applying God's word. And so we see that then in the text in some pairs of words, action words for us as we continue on. And I pray as an encouragement in this church education year. The first is this, that we would diligently listen and teach. We see that in the first nine verses. Now this is the commandment, verse one, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. That teaching has to be right there and right away that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it. But the thing about teaching is we can can have teaching happen but we have to hear it. We have to diligently listen to it. And in that way then, the Lord gives Moses one thing. You're to do one thing. You're to bring this people before me and my word. It wasn't about the land at this point even yet. Yeah, you're going to come in there and you're going to have my, I want you to come before me. I want you to live before me. He's bringing them before a command to obedience and to love. And so before they enter that land, they need to hear some necessary instructions. And so in thinking about this, there's that that struggle, right, that we have sometimes in hearing instructions. It's because oftentimes when we're given instructions, we're right there. We're right before our enjoyment of something, right? So you're on the plane, and whether you enjoy flying or not, You're going to sit on the plane for far too long, and all those weird people who want to get on the plane first, I don't understand that. But you're going to sit there, and when they close the door, now you're going to have an announcement, right? And so you're going to see the whole, this is how you buckle your seatbelt, and here's where the exits are, right? All kinds of pre-flight instruction. How many people listen to pre-flight instruction? I mean, typically everybody's got something in their ears already. They're already watching something. They haven't turned their phone off yet, even though they've been told to. We're so excited about the flight and getting where we're going that we don't hear how we're to do that safely. Kids, I've gone as a chaperone on enough of your field trips to know that when we drive somewhere and get there, you've stopped listening about 20 minutes ago. And so you're so ramped up to get out and do the field trip 
that you're inevitably going to ask a parent at some point in the day, what time do we have to be back to the bus? What do we get to eat? Where are we going? When do we get? You're so ramped up and so busy that you haven't taken the time to hear and to listen to those instructions. And so here's Israel, completely and totally ramped up. We've been wandering for 40 years, and here's the land. And we can't wait to go in. And we've heard all the blessings of it. And Moses is saying, first, you've got to diligently listen. We have to diligently listen if we are to gratefully and rightly receive those promised blessings. And he calls each one of you diligently to that task. Oh, someone else will listen. I'll just ask somebody... No, the call is to you. The language here in the Hebrew is in the singular, which stresses the importance to the individual of faithful obedience, which has impact on the whole. Each of you are called to this. And it was required, why? Verse 2, so that you may fear the Lord your God. This is the thing. You and your son and your son's son. The impact of that kind of diligence, speaking and listening, is that it brings about right fear by God's grace generationally. So if I am listening, I pray that my son will listen and that his son will listen. I always have the future in mind that my listening, that all of my diligence is going to have impact, is going to grow something for other generations, like those people who plant trees that they're never going to see, right? I'm still going to do it because it has impact and because the Lord has commanded it. It's the only way to possess all that he gives, not just settling for that which was before their eyes, but all that he promises rightly. And so we need to listen in order to know him and to know what he would have for us. Because in that way, we're brought into relationship with him and we're brought into his presence. And so who is this God? Verse four, hear, O Israel. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear it. We're monotheists, not polytheists. He goes on, who really is God? The Lord is the Lord only. He is altogether unique. He is the one and only Lord who alone can make a sovereign claim on everything. Know who he is and hear it. Because that's the reason we're to diligently listen to him. Because he demands it, but more he deserves it. Are we listening to him diligently? Because his call is made to us every day to know him, to hear and apply his word, and to be given to him in obedience and thanks in love. And so for hearing, we've already heard our call. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. We diligently listen because we've been made to love God. That's the sum of it. Why do I have to go to catechism? Because we want you to love God. Why do I have to hear a sermon preached again? Because we want you to love God. And if I don't want to listen, what does it say about my heart? 
You see, we love as those given in humble reverence to the rule of a good and gracious king. We love in obedience, not based on any kind of legalism, but in every understanding of his gifts and grace to us in goodness. In listening to him, to his words, his commands, his instructions, his promises, and his blessings, we are giving our ears to, our respect to, our heart to, the one and only God who has one only plan for us in his one and only son, and it is to have us. All of our hearts and all of who we are. Proverbs 23, 26 says it this way, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Give your all. That's diligence. Give all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all your might as you give yourself fully with all diligence and all devotion. And so, yes, it starts with you, but that should shift then to an us. This is us. This is how we're committed to be diligent together. And it isn't a moment then for, well, those who can't teach. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 we teach and we preach and we speak of that which has been brought into our hearts by the grace of God. As those who love God and his promises and commands, we must diligently teach. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Oh, I'll just get somebody else to do it. I'm glad those catechism and Sunday school teachers do that. Can you believe if my kids would have to learn from me? Man, ship them off somewhere else. Let them... You, you, singularly, you shall diligently teach your children. Not just your wife, you shall diligently teach. Since these truths, then, are the most important in your heart and life, though, why wouldn't you diligently teach them? If this is your basic operating procedure, why wouldn't that come out of you? Why wouldn't that come out in every conversation, in every interaction? And so the way of that teaching, if you say, well, how do I do this? The way of that teaching in this text is repetition. Intentionally teach again and again, over and over, the things of the Lord, the love of the Lord, because repetition aids learning. And you're like, if I do that with my kids, they're going to be like, Dad, what's up with that? What are you doing? You're you're talking church. You're talking God. You're talking word all the time. Fathers, if you heard that from your kids, I hope that would break your heart. Because that shouldn't be something that's weird. That shouldn't be something that's foreign. It shouldn't be something that's forced. Because this is your heart, this should be flowing out all the time. So repent. But then take every opportunity to speak and live truth into them so that they'll expect nothing else. Talk about his commands and promises when you sit in the house and walk by the way and lie down and when you rise and when they're in the buddy seat in the tractor and when they come to work with you and when you're coming home from that game and when you get their report card and when they bring that first boy home that you want to send away immediately. And whenever that is, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak of Christ. I'm going to speak the wonder of his love. I'm going to take every opportunity because every second counts. Because I don't know how many I have. And so I'm going to tell you what's most important. I'm going to live 
what's most important. Be diligent everywhere and all the time. Bind his love and truth to your hands. Keep them before your eyes. Figure out how to do it. Man, if your wife comes and says, here is another picture of some Bible verse from this cutesy gift store that I went to to put up in the house and remind us of his word, go ahead, dear. We want to see that word. If she wants to plaster your house in post-it notes with every verse of the scriptures, do it. Keep it before you. Keep speaking that word. Let your home be known by family intentionality. Let it be known for covenant direction. Let it be known for joy-filled obedience. Let it be seen because it's a testimony of grace, of covenant blessings in Christ, promises for us and our children that should be clear to as many as our Lord and God will call. But it brings us to a warning in the second place in verses 10 through 9. We need to diligently watch and remember Because diligence isn't important just in terms of what we've received in Christ and in the wonders of God's redemption. But as much as I'm trying to fill my heart with something, I've already got something icky in here and it's called my sin and brokenness. And so as great as that which I've received is, and while the first and last sections of Deuteronomy 6 are very positive, sandwiched in between our negative warnings, that demand a diligent response. Because what they show is the risk of not diligently teaching, repeating, and listening. It's truth Ben Franklin understood this way. Diligence overcomes difficulties. Sloth makes them. If you're not going to be diligent, there's going to be problems. And so what Moses is saying is, Israel, you need to watch your doctrine in life closely because of your sinful tendency to forget. And you're like, well, how could that happen? You see, if you consider that with affluence and pride and self-sufficiency comes forgetfulness. I've got all the stuff. Why do I need God anymore? It isn't that he hasn't blessed us with every good gift and all the more in the fulfillment of Christ. But in receiving them, we stop being diligent. We become slothful and apathetic in regard to truth. We make assumptions that our kids will simply learn something better than we know. How will they? How will they if we will not humbly live and teach heartfelt gratitude for what we've received in Christ? There's no way they just pick that up by osmosis. There's no way that they're just going to pick that up and hanging out with whomever. Or not hearing it from you. Hear how good things become dangerous things when we don't diligently watch and remember. See it in verses 10 and 11, right? Here's the, here's the layout. The Lord's going to bring you here. You're going to have great and good cities. You're going to have all these good things. You're going to have all the water you need. You're going to have all the vineyards and all the olives. When you eat and are full, what are you going to do? When you have no more need and you've received everything from me, I'm going to give you grace upon grace upon grace 
And what's going to happen? You are going to be tempted to find satisfaction in the gifts rather than the giver. And how many times can we look back at our lives and say, yeah, I have, I did. That's why the call to take care and watch closely. Verse 12, then take care, watch closely, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And maybe you're still sitting there and saying, how could we forget the Lord and all of his benefits to me? How many times have we done that in the last week? Anytime we're prideful, anytime we think we're self-sufficient, anytime we think we've earned or deserve what's ours, anytime we stop watching the state of our hearts or forget his calls, take care so you do not forget and so that you what? That you do fear. Because hearing and teaching with diligence leads to godly fear. And godly fear is that which corrects apathy, pride, and forgetfulness. Remember. That's your call moment by moment. Remember. It is the Lord your God, verse 13, you shall fear. Him you shall serve. And by his name you shall swear. And so I want to encourage you, even in the face of those warnings, to diligently remember that he alone is God, that he's jealous, that his claim is exclusive, that he is to be trusted as one always able to care and provide. That's why the next warnings, don't question his faithfulness like you did at Masa. Are you going to be able to provide us water? Yeah, I got you. I can do it. Remember his call moment by moment. Remember his word and keep it. Because in doing so, you see, that's the wonder here, right? In this kind of teaching, in this kind of watching, in this kind of learning, you're going to be brought again and again in his word and in the testimony of others to reminders again that there is always a continued experience of blessing and grace. It testifies to what God does and what he provides. And so in that way, he will deliver us from sinful sloth and forgetfulness into a life of intentional watching, of remembering, of remembering a Lord in a life that is worthy of being asked about and of giving testimony to, and that in the last place. Because we need to diligently ask and testify. Because I would say to you that that kind of diligence That kind of intentional life and testimony of grace and faithfulness is one that you're going to be asked about. If you're living that way, and we see those people who are lighting up in Christ, who who shine that light brightly, we can't wait to be around them. We want to hear what they say. We want to interact with them, right? They're going to ask. But I want you to hear this. People aren't going to ask about your works. They're probably not going to ask about your work, but they're certainly not going to ask about your works because there are all kinds of people doing similar things. Oh, you go to church? Yeah, so do I. Oh, yeah, you do community? So do I. There is nothing in that way altogether remarkable about that outside of God's grace and calling sinners to himself. They might ask about your disciplines. What do you do to draw near to God, especially if they're winsome, right? 
but I guarantee that your children and the world will ask about your motivation when they see your diligence. Dave Ramsey writes it this way, quote, work is doing it. Discipline is doing it every day. Diligence is doing it well every day. We're called to diligence. Not just to work, not just to disciplines, but to diligence. And Deuteronomy 6 diligence will be extremely noticeable. People will ask about the hope that is in you. Do you have an answer? Are you ready to teach? Are you able to give an answer, one full of God's faithfulness, of the grace of Jesus Christ and the powerful working of his Holy Spirit? Are you ready for those questions? Because most of those questions will come from whom? They're going to come from your kids. They're going to come from your kids. In fact, parents, we should be praying, Father, lead my kids to ask me good questions. Lead my kids to ask me better questions. We should pray for this. And so children, I want to challenge you all the time, but especially today, to diligently ask your parents what all this means. What are we doing here? Who is God? Why do you say you love him? How does your life show that? What are you doing to intentionally show me that way? Ask your parents, why do they follow God's word? Or or in the text here, right? What is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and rules the Lord our God here at has commanded you? They're still being instructed. It's on you. How are you living this? How are you listening to this? How are you teaching this? How are you diligent? Because they're not going to find a better standard somewhere else, or at least they shouldn't. They should see your diligence and be motivated and inspired by it. So kids, ask your parents why they follow God's word, why they build their lives on the foundation of Christ, why obedience matters. Ask why they don't do things like the world does. But more parents, expect those questions. Don't push them away. Don't push that aside. They're not asking to be disrespectful. They want to know as you know. Let them come. Let them ask the why. So that they can know how to apply the word of God to every square inch of their lives. So kids, keep asking those questions and listening. Sharpen us as we hear and apply that word. But parents, as diligently as we need to call our kids to ask what they don't know and of how to come nearer and draw nearer to God, we need to be ready to testify to the truth and grace with diligence. Parents, diligently give testimony to that which is the most important thing in the framing of your life. Your kids probably already know what that is. But I don't want probably. I want them to know. I don't want to make assumptions about my kids. I want to know. Give that testimony. Speak your love and thanks for his work of salvation and redemption and his promise of glory. 
And parents, that takes work way more than trying to get your kids to write what you've told them as you've done catechism lesson with them. It takes work on you, not just their stuff. Yours. It takes diligent study of the word. It takes diligent learning to communicate it. It takes diligent seeking to better apply the word. It takes diligent practice and fellowship with other Christians so that we can speak the truth, that we can sharpen each other unto grace and truth in our testimonies. That if we desire our kids to ask and know, then we need to be ready to learn and testify. And if you desire that to be easy, you've come to the wrong thing. But we practice. Right, kids? You start something new, and you got to practice. Oh, i got to play piano, and I don't know how to make my fingers work the right way, or I don't know how to... You practice, and you practice, and you repeat it. You shoot 100 foul shots after every practice because you want that to come easy. But we don't do it with a word. Samuel Johnson wrote, quote, whatever we hope to do with ease, we must first learn to do with diligence. So parents, give yourselves to the opportunities of service and study afforded you. Give yourselves to reading, to listening to podcasts and sermons, to having theological conversations, to sharing with other Christians what is your hope in the gospel, to diligently asking the Spirit to fill you with the very thing you desire to speak. Testify to the fact, I was a slave in sin. Testify to the fact that by way of his wonders and works, I have been brought out and brought into his grace, into his fellowship, into his promise and peace. Testify to them that you belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assuring you of eternal life, and that you have been now made ready wholeheartedly to live and to serve him. Testify what your life is all about in grace and truth and love. And testify that you do this, both in fear and understanding, what it is to reverence the Lord and to persevere in the service of his righteousness. And in the knowledge that he preserves us and cares for us and calls us to himself and his word for his glory and our good. And that's going to be something that people ask about. That's going to be a life that somebody sees and says, I need that. I want that. I want something better for me, for my relationship with the Lord, for my relationship with my kids. That's a life that points to the glorious truth that he has made us righteous, right with him, by way of his work, bringing us into a relationship where he's always making us more like him by his word and spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, having received great promises, having received a great call, give yourself to diligence in understanding and applying God's word. If you need help, we all do, then ask. Ask. If you're asked, give testimony to him. Diligently attend to his word, to his teaching, to his means of grace, to remember his promise and watch your life and doctrine closely in great thanks for the fact that he is faithful to his word. So let's live that and teach that and learn that according to God's standard, being diligent in the grace he provides. 
Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the great call that you have given to us as your people to diligence. And Father, we confess to you that we are not always found so. And so, Lord, we ask not only that you would grant us a deeper and truer fear of you and reverence of you, but more a deep and profound love for you, for what you have given and gifted, for what you have entrusted to us, for great promises that are yes and amen in your Son, the glorious inheritance that, is, that we know is ours because of the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us. And so, Lord, we pray for our children that they would ask good questions, that we would give good answers, and that we would be both led together to every promise of your word. So, Lord, we ask then, would you continue to care for us and bless us together as we go forth to the missions that you call us to? Father, we pray that you would bless. And so, Lord, as we give our offerings and thanksgiving for that which you have offered to us in Christ, we pray again for Hugs Ranch. We're thankful, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to hear about that ministry this morning, and Lord, to care for it as well. And so, Lord, we pray that our cheerful giving, Father, would be used in the hands of our deacons, given to this ministry, Father, for the advancing of your kingdom and the glory of your name. Father, hear our prayer. We love you and we praise you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.